Hello and welcome back to the Obscurious Mind Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Buckner. First off, apologies for the latency of the second episode of the interview with Garrett Looker. Uh, last week, I got the first episode up on Monday, and then that was finals week for me, and that got absolutely insanely busy. I was either practicing or studying or sleeping. It was one of the three, and but you know what? We made it through. Uh, finished out this semester pretty strong, so I'm happy with it, and and we're back here. I took the last couple of days to be saying bye to a couple of friends who were who were headed out onto their next adventures, and so I appreciate the the leeway on this episode. And so getting getting right into things per usual, make sure you're following the Facebook and Twitter account and the Instagram account so that you can stay updated on when these episodes come out. For when things like this happen, where all of a sudden I have to kind of drop off the face of the earth for a week, week and a half. And then once once you follow those, make sure you're following the podcast either on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your preferred app is. Whatever makes it easier for you to listen to the podcast and download the podcast, go make sure you give it a follow there. It should be up there. And if it's not up there, make sure and just shoot me a quick message on, on any social media and I'll go through and make sure I... Make sure I submit the RSS feed there so that you can go ahead and be able to listen to it on your preferred format. And then, yeah, and so that being—I mean—that just brings us straight into here is the second half of the interview with uh with my good buddy, good buddy Garrett Looker, who he and I have been in correspondence, and I'm gonna actually be kind of working a little bit with him here and there on the on the documentary he's producing next semester. Really cool guy. The second half of this interview is. Is really honestly, we get into a really nice flow, and we start kind of talking about our own creative processes and just kind of what we hide in our own artwork and that kind of thing. A lot of really good discussion. Uh, the the tail end of talking about the documentary and what he wants to say with it is really cool. And then, like I said, we just kind of move into some cool, more creative topics and and thought provoking topics, more similar to kind of the topics that I talk here on the podcast. So. Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump right into that. I hope you guys enjoy. I related to that kid. I related to him because maybe he had stayed up the night before. Oh, yeah. Working on a project. Yeah. Teacher turns the lights off, throws a documentary on. Yeah. Something that happened before my life. Why should I care? So it was, it was, almost, yeah. uh, it was almost a reason of, if you're reading this and you yeah. can relate to this, understand that it's not a sin it's not evil it's you no. know you're not a horrible person Mm-mm. but you know pay attention pay yeah attention no, for to sure history well but what i did i loved what you talked about there too where you kind of made sure and spun it at the end and input in the understanding of the fact that there there was no fresh memory for them it mm-hmm. was all the memories of other people yeah. that they were learning about yeah which i think that's super interesting because and it sounds like you're a you're a history person. Oh, I'm a history person. Okay, through and okay. through. Yeah, um, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just be straight. Okay, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a history person. Uh, just from the standpoint of I suck at history classes. Yeah, I can make it through anything, but history. You start throwing dates and names, and I just it's I'm very like, very dry. Very you did dry. a thing. Yeah, once sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and and like and I understand the importance of it. I don't fully know where I'm going with this statement yet. Um. But I did basically what I was getting at to begin with is I liked how you did make sure and flipped it at the end and said, you know, it, it, it is ink and it's somebody else's memories. Yeah. And so how do you fully like how can we have an expectation on people to fully absorb the the emotions and content of that? And there and there is the like there is the understanding of the severity of those. But I mean, it is a, it is completely mm-hmm. different from a standpoint of I re, I remember 9-11 right I, I remember right. it right and and i still don't even have like yeah. i wasn't a 30 year old adult right. right sitting in a room going oh the like, world just changed forever. yeah exactly yeah. and so i mean that's kind of baffling to me and but i still remember it but to think of it as now it's memories of memories for mm-hmm. the kids learning it now yeah it is i mean it is hard to understand how to how to fully get people to empathize with that. Yeah, and that's uh that's the really hard part. Yeah. That's the really really hard part. Yeah. Um and that's why I threw it back because uh I wanted to talk about the ink on the page. It, it fades. Mm-hmm. It does yeah. fade eventually. And uh mm-hmm. because the memory I have from 9/11, September 11th, 2001 mm-hmm. was uh 
I went to my grandma's house, and uh, while they were watching the TV of something that was happening, yeah, I went over to my great grandma's house that lived just across the road, yeah, and uh, she gave me a super bouncy ball, and I played with it in the back hallway. Yeah, I played with the bouncy ball as two thousand nine hundred ninety six Americans died. Yeah, because that's that's the truth. That's what happened for me. Yeah, um, and that's I think. I think it's very important to think that uh, these kids in classrooms and the kids that are in college right now, mm-hmm. it wasn't life-changing for them. No. no I got no, a bouncy no. ball that day. Yeah. I didn't know the world was changing. Yeah. But it's important to read back, to understand yeah. those memories of the mm. people that were lost, because this is the world we're living in. We never knew what it was like, what it was like before. Absolutely. And they did. Um, yeah. But, I, know, I mean, you're definitely right. It's it's hard. Yeah. Um. We don't know what it was like before Pearl Harbor. Um, no. So it's just, uh, I don't know how history teachers do it. Yeah. And then, I mean, like, kind of snowballing off that to an extent. It is, it is, I don't know, this is pretty tangential. But my dad and I were literally just talking about this weekend how it's kind of, it's interesting because you do have to give people the opportunity to learn that and you do have to give people the opportunity to empathize with it mm-hmm. and... And under understand the severity of it, but I guess where this just it kind of offshot in my head. We were just, I mean, we were talking about politics to an extent. It's yeah. not heavy politics. Yeah, but it's just kind of th- the thing that he and I are both kind of uncomfortable with right now is we have all of this journalism to an extent. And since you're in journalism, I'm interested to see what your mm-hmm. kind of responses to it. We have journalism and we have reporting right now. That is going back 10 years in a politician's career and saying, well, hey, they thought this then, but they don't uh-huh. think that now. And and crucifying these people for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it baffles me because it's like, oh, so you don't want any change. Uh-huh. You don't want people to change at all. And like, yeah, you know what, if they're moving in a direction that's not as healthy. And I understand you do have to have such heavy skepticism with the way our politics work. Right. I understand right. that that has to be present, but at the same time, like I don't, I, I wouldn't want somebody going back eight years and going, well, Hey, you said this then I'm be like, yeah, that was eight years ago. Yeah. I'm a completely different person oh, at yeah. this point. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so you're asking one of my thoughts on, yeah, the, on yeah, the, yeah. the, the digging as yeah, we call it in journalism. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's really tough to answer. Really I, I tough figured. to answer because, um, you know, it's uh, – and I struggle with this ethically um, and morally as a journalist. You know, who are we mm-hmm. to bring someone's dirty laundry up, yeah. you know, especially if they've already served um, their penance to society? Yeah. Why Why bring it back up? Yeah. Um, and as you put it, crucify them again. Uh, I guess – there are times when it's done in extremely poor taste, yeah. and there are times when it's done for the the public good. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that in journalism a lot. Of this is for the public good. Uh, mm-hmm. They call journalism sometimes the fourth estate, uh, the watchdog of uh, the the world, I guess. Um, but you're you're definitely right. There are times where a journalist makes a call of, "Hey, let's bring this up. Let's bring yeah. this up." And um, it's it's completely for possibly biased reasons of to make someone look bad. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's not. Most of the time, I would say that it's uh, it's in order to give people the information that they would need, um, and then it's taken the wrong way. Yeah. Of uh, that journalist is trying to push people in that way. Yeah. So, for an example, um, let's say that someone is running for uh, city mayor, mm. and ten years ago they had a DUI. Yeah. Um, Everyone knows it. Everyone in the town knows this person drove under the influence. Yeah. He served his time, did his public service, whatever. Yeah. Now he's looking to really change the city. Say he's cracking down on DUIs. He's yeah. saying, we're going to change this. As a journalist, do you have the responsibility to say, hey, he was, yeah. he was pulled over for a DUI 10 years ago. Now he's trying to change how we view this. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. Because then it's a part of the story. But mm-hmm. if he was um, pulled over for a DUI back in 2008, and he's running for mayor now, mm-hmm. and he, um, you know, he accepts it, 
He accepts that he did wrong. He publicly says that he did wrong. Um, and now he's just trying to help the city in another way. Uh, if you bring that up, you've made a mistake. And, yeah. and as a journalist, um, I think it's important to acknowledge that other journalists and myself as a journalist, we make mistakes. Yeah. Just as that person, just as that person did. made yes. a mistake. So, um, but that is not an excuse. It's not to say, oh, well, we journalists make mistakes. Sometimes. Yeah, we're just gonna. You can't hide behind you, that. You can't. Same way um, not to dig into another topic, but the same way you can't say, oh, well, I was anxious and that's why I got mad at you. Exactly. It, exactly. You can't. Right. You got to own your shit. Own it. Um, and I think the problem that we are having right now in uh, some aspects of journalism is people aren't owning it. Yeah. You have to own it. And that's not just for journalists, it's for everyone. you got to own what you do. Yeah. Own your mistakes, own your successes. If you only own your successes, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't respect you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If you can't own the moment where you say, oh, I was a bit of a dick there. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, um, it's, it's an epidemic yeah. um, in journal. Well, bad journalism, I think, is an epidemic uh, that people are trying to crack down on. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that all journalism is bad. Yeah. Uh, there are really, really great um, examples of people that are trying to strive for that public good. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's. So then, yeah. So then, what I'm going to say there is just kind of talking about how like people get because a journalist might have the full intentions of just putting something in the air mm -hmm. and just saying, Hey, I think this needs to be known. Yeah. What do you think about the fact that, and see, and this is kind of, I'm not, I'm not going to be careful with this question. It's more so I am going to like kind of put my side out there. I'm mm -hmm. a thinker. I'm, I'm yeah. I perceive the world very logically most of the time. Mm hmm. And I understand having emotional responses to things, which is where I'm going with that. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with the fact that you could literally just be putting information out there and and all of a sudden you're getting these insane... And I mean, that even goes back to kind of what I was talking about with the, the responses that I saw to some of your pieces. Mm -hmm. They come back with insanely emotional responses. Yeah. And, yeah. and I understand that's a part of it. And I understand we need those people to balance out the people like me right, who are right. Mr. Data. Um how does that sit with us, though? Because if you approach everything from an emotional standpoint, then it's hard. I, I would assume it would be hard if I was in your position to have a calm conversation about it because you went from saying, oh, I'm going to talk about this topic mm -hmm. and not being approached necessarily by someone going, well, I want to talk about that topic, too. But going, well, what about this? And I right. would be like, whoa. Right. Um, so the way I've, I've grown into um, this answer um, is through the work that I've done with other people yeah. that do not agree with me. Yeah. Um, and if you're, if you're listening to this for the first time, um, people are going to disagree with you. And if you have a problem with that, you need to find a different planet. Um, <laughs> because you're never going to have someone or everyone in the room that is 100% that agrees with you. Mm. And welcome to Earth. That's how humans are, and that's how yeah. humans should be. Um, uh, a good example to answer your question in journalism is yeah. emotion is extremely important. Yeah. Uh, it's extremely important. Uh, we call it empathy in the, in the field. Um, a journalist has to have empathy. But at the same time, that journalist has to understand that emotion drives uh, bias. Yeah. And you have to reject that sometimes. Yeah. Um, so there are pieces of journalism where it's just the facts. Um, you're going to find that in a lot of news-oriented mm -hmm. print versions. Um, there are uh, versions like sports where a little opinion is okay. You yeah. know, the team was on fire that night. Obviously, that's opinionated, that. but like, who cares? Yeah. Um, you're never they going to say. Points. Like. Yeah. <laughs> you're never going to say. Here's the uh, campaign for President X. He was on fire. You can't say. You can't that, say that anymore. Right. But it's still journalism, right? Yeah. So what's the other end of the spectrum? You have mm -hmm. extreme factual news. The other end of the spectrum is opinion. It's column writing. Yeah. Um, so the reason I came into being the editor um, for the Daily News column section mm -hmm. was because last year we, uh, we were <laughs> – our editor was warned 
by the other staff members that we were too liberal. Um, and of course, it was in a time when, uh, you know, the presidential election was either going on, just finished, or we were feeling the repercussions of a new president. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of liberal uh, ideas were thrown out. Um, but it was so much liberal content that we, our editor at the time was told, we need to bring someone on that's, you know, the other side. Yeah. So we brought on a, uh, a conservative columnist, and uh, she, <laughs> she told that person, I gotta gotta watch out what I say here. Yeah, no, uh, you're fine. She told that person that she basically did not respect him in front of the uh, the uh, editor. Yeah, in front of the other staff members, and it was that night. Um, here I am standing next to the person that's considered conservative. Yeah. Um, I disagree with most of the things that he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, he supports Trump one hundred percent. He voted for Trump. Um, other things he, he he loves his guns. Uh, so I'm extremely against most everything that he's saying. Okay. But as a great American patriot once put, um, I will fight to the death for your right to say what you need to Absolutely. say. Absolutely. Even yeah. though I disagree with you completely. Yeah. Um, you should still be able to say what you want to say. That is the First Amendment. So yeah. here we are, our editor is saying, you know, I had to bring you on. I don't want you on my staff. Mm-hmm. You know, blah, blah, blah. That was the night I decided I was going to apply to be the editor. Fair. Um, and I, I got the job. And when I started in the fall of 2017, mm-hmm. I decided my, my mission was to produce content that had no uh, lean. Okay. Of course, every piece is going to have a lean. Yeah. Um, for example, after the uh, Vegas shooting in October, yep. um, I wanted my most liberal writer to write his point of view, mm-hmm. and I went to my conservative writer, and I said, you will write your, your yeah. point of view. Yeah. And we're going to put them side by side. Side by side, put them up Because there. that's what our readers deserve. Yeah. Yeah, Our readers absolutely. are going to get emotional at the okay. news, and they're going to get emotional at the sports, and they're going to get emotional at the opinion. Yeah. But if we are not giving them both sides of the story in every way, yeah, we are not doing our job. Yeah. So even though I disagreed with this person, I sat with him on countless nights to say, "Do it better. Do it better. Yeah. Do it better. You want to you want to prove to me why we should have guns on campus? Prove to me." Yeah. Don't tell me that this is my opinion. Tell me this is the way you should think. And then I went to my other writer and I said, "Do it better. Get rid of him." Yeah, yeah. Get rid of him. Yeah. Not him, but right, the right, other right, side right. Of right. Um, <laughs> Take him out. Yeah, t- get, get rid of the guy. No, get rid of the guns. Um, and I said, as as the editor, as someone who has my own opinions and my own emotions. Yeah. Um, I really had to take the role of a journalist, which mm-hmm. I think all journalists should have. Yeah. Some don't. Um, the ability to say, these are my emotions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to set them aside for the minute to make the most out of what you're trying to do. Um, yeah. And, and the tricky part, um, getting back to your question about readers getting emotional about a story, mm-hmm. the tricky part with that is we can't expect our readers to set aside their empathy. Exactly. To set aside you their can't, emotion. yeah, yeah. So you got to take it with a grain of salt every time yeah. of, okay, well, we reported on this and people got really upset. Yeah. You got to take that with a grain of salt and you got to try and do better. Yeah. Someone getting upset is not a bad thing. Actually, I think it, when everyone agrees with you, that's scary. Yes. Oh, oh, oh no. What's, what's wrong? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But, but yeah, in a roundabout way, it's. Yeah. We can't rely on our readers to not have human emotions. Yeah. Well, no, and I mean, kind of the funny thing there is I asked you a question about people's emotional responses from my own emotional response. Exactly. Which I exactly. can fully, and exactly. you have to be able to admit that too, though. Right. And yeah. I'm, that's not a pat yeah. on the back. It's just it, something else I had that I just kind of wrote down here was it's, it is interesting to me too how I think we get, I think it's lost very frequently at least the way people talk about politics and the way they talk about heavy-handed topics. Lose sight of the fact that you're not going to get the world to agree with you. You're not going to get 100% of the... And so, I mean, that's what... And I think if that could be more ingrained in the way that we think, we could have better conversations Mm -hmm. because you get rid of this... 
And it's kind of what I hear you saying is like you you have to have both sides, and and equally as much you have to be open to both sides. Oh, so yeah. you have to be able to. Yeah. I talked about this in my last episode. Actually, was the idea of you have to believe your beliefs, doubt your doubts, and then doubt your beliefs and believe your doubts. Like yeah. you always have to be doing that. Yeah. And the the problem that I think um, I think some people have is uh, people aren't to that that level yet, and it's going to be tough to get there, but. I hope everyone can get there yeah. to the point oh, yeah. where I'm confident in what I believe in. Mm-hmm. I'm very confident Same. what I believe in. I'm confident what I don't believe in. And let's have a discussion. Yeah. And by the end of that discussion, we've opened ourselves up to every possibility. And maybe mm-hmm. by a stroke of luck, I've started to doubt my beliefs and believe my exactly. doubts. Exactly. No, and I mean, to th- I mean, this was something that I was going to talk about in later episodes, too. There's... Um, there's a podcast by Pete Holmes, the comedian. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know who that is. It's called You Made It Weird. And he's a very, I, I don't know if I should say very, but he expresses his religious beliefs. He's mm-hmm. um, He talks a, a lot. He talks frequently here and there about using psychedelics and all that kind uh-huh. of thing. Uh, and then he has Penn Jillette on, who is a pretty upfront atheist a pretty mm-hmm. upfront kind of person and yet Penn starts talking about how he's like if you're asking what's in my heart right now that's what's there he was like because you so frequently get the rebuttal of oh well what if this happens tomorrow and 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 you believe in god mm-hmm. maybe i will yeah maybe i will yeah and and that's not easy because that's saying i'm willing to be really uncomfortable and yeah i think a lot of a lot of our generation says, "Be comfortable, be cool, like yeah, stay stay in your zone, like whatever." Well, you're, I mean, which is true. I if we're if we're gonna get, you know, I, I gotta watch how I say this as well. Go but if it. we're gonna get uh, straight to the straight to the point yeah, here, go for it. A lot of people that are saying, "Be comfortable, be cool, be open, be diversified," are what I would consider liberals. And if you throw a liberal a conservative, blood will be drawn. Um, it's it's really. It's really uh, depressing mm-hmm. to see how the quote-unquote open-minders are close-minded to the idea of someone that disagrees with them. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, the idea of diversity is wrong. I, no, I, I no, usually no, no, no. I usually agree with the liberal the, ideology. The liberal agenda but, is, yeah. But it's the idea that you can't... Have a civil discussion with someone. You have someone. to balance both sides. I mean, no. <laughs> oh, no, just, I totally get where you're me, coming it, from. It gets me so upset. It yeah. really does. Yeah. No, I. T- yeah. 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 Because it, it, you do have to have the balance because you can't look at you can't look at one side and say you don't believe what I believe, and I'm yeah. very upset about that. Yeah. But I should be able to believe whatever I want. Okay, then they should be able to believe whatever they want yeah. too. Your goal shouldn't be to go after them it should just be hey keep having conversations because and yeah. i mean i talked about that in the introductory episode too of just how i think a lot of the liberal agenda why it gets pushed back against is just a lack of understanding yeah like if you're yeah. a dude if you're and i'm not justifying their actions by any means um but if you're a dude who's grown up in a farm town where heterosexuality is all you've seen where you might even be in a super, yeah. super dense situation where patriarchy is very obvious. Yeah. If if that's all you've seen, when somebody brings the subject of being gay to your table, you're going to go, I have no idea what that is. And I think naturally we go, exactly. huh, mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think that's right. everybody's natural it's response a, to so many things. Oh, it's, a hum- it's a human reaction. <laughs> and... and uh, we demonize that reaction so much. Yeah. And I'm not saying that not being open to homosexuality or anything that you've never seen mm-hmm. is okay. It's not okay. No. But on the same side of that, it's also not okay... To not be open to the person who's not open. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, but but the, the, the way you get that, that country... That country person, the person that's grown up in rural Indiana their entire lives, the way you get them to see the quote-unquote truth Mm -hmm. of we have to understand that there are other ways of living, Mm -hmm. you have to have a civil discussion with them and say, hey, this is is what other people are thinking. Um, Maybe you say, 
I'm not trying to upset you, but yeah. you've made them uncomfortable with your words, yeah. and you've just got to be real with people. Because yeah. if you're not real with people, they're going to split off. They're going to yeah. tear off from what you're trying to tell them, yeah. and they're never going to ever listen. No, they're never going to listen to you. So, I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword. Oh, yeah. It really is. Of, you know, we want to get rid of these these bad things in society. Mm-hmm. But if we attack them as we say they are attacking us, mm-hmm. we're never going to win. Yeah, ever. well, and I think you kind of get into... I was having a conversation with somebody the other day who was talking about how they saw something that made them comfortable with the idea of people being gay. They saw something mm-hmm. that made them comfortable because of the way this person was expressing themselves. Yeah. And their first reaction was, oh, I get it. I, I, I understand this yeah. now. Like, I can see that person as just a person now uh-huh. and not putting any label right. there. And, but then the secondary reaction that, that this person had was, well, they shouldn't have to explain to me why. And I think that is a, that's a partially valued argument, uh-huh. valid argument that. from that side of saying, well, I shouldn't have to explain to you why this makes me happy. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, that's, it is. You're right. It you're is. right. That's not the world you're in though. Exactly. And so, I mean, yeah, I agree. You shouldn't have to go up and explain. no, this lifestyle is what makes me happy. I agree you shouldn't have to do that. Right. That's not where we're at. And it's, I'm sorry that's not where we're at. I hate that that's not where yeah. we're at. But we can start moving there if you can say, okay, so I'm going to have to be calm. I'm going to have yeah. to. And and I hate that that has to be a part of it. That's definitely that's definitely not my optimal situation. But if we're going to get into a world where our kids or our grandkids don't have to. Don't even bat an eye. We're going. Yeah. We're gonna have to go to the plate for them mm-hmm. and bear it. Yeah. Because if we don't bear it now, that world of indifference and and intolerant people, yeah. it's gonna continue. Yeah. It's gonna always be there Absolutely. unless we have the courage to say, okay, I'm going to explain. I'm going to, so to speak, walk into your home mm-hmm. and sit down with you and play by your rules. Because this is your home, mm-hmm. they're not coming to me. Mm-hmm. They're not coming to me because I'm uh, I'm different than them. Yeah, they're actually doing the opposite. They're staying away. But if we make the initiative to say, "Hey, I want to explain who I am, mm-hmm. and see if I can relate to you, not as a gay man or a straight man or anything that you are, as a human, as a human being." Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Well, and I mean, my dad even talks about. My dad's a pastor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever told you that, but. Um, my dad even talks about that from the perspective of the church, because I mean, the church is something that doesn't have the greatest rap all the time. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, that's what he's trying to get across is just that idea of, we have to stop being the church and we just have to start being people. Yeah. And Jesus is just a part of who we are. Our religion is just a part of who we are. But at the, at the start and at the end of the day, we just have to be people willing to listen and have fun and for sure. And that's, it's. I'm really actually glad that you brought that up because when I started the position of editor Mm -hmm. for the opinion section, I saw the opportunity that that's where I could have taken it. Yeah. And in the end, that's what finding beneficence meant. Yeah. I wanted to find something that was true, that was good. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, As the days rolled on, I realized how hard that position was and I couldn't do my own writing. So I turned to my writers and I challenged them, tell your story. Mm-hmm. Tell who you are. Go out and experience what other people are. And we had the ability to, um, Jordan Mormon wrote about mm-hmm. how he's Catholic and how that's intrinsic to his soul. Yeah. And how that's not just who he is. He's more than that. Yeah, it's we, just... We wrote about, um, and this was one of my personal favorites, about how one of my writers had cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. And she came to me and she said, hey, I've got an idea of writing about my illness and mm-hmm. how I'm more than my illness and how I want people to understand what that is and how to live with it and how to then see me as a person. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if I want to write it. And I said, Hannah, you've got to. There yeah. is no option yeah. now. You have to. And <laughs> you can't she, come to me with that yeah. and be like, oh, and, I don't know if I want to do it. Though. And she, she wrote something that was so so heavy and so emotional yeah. and so real that when you're done reading it, you think, wow, I never knew that. I never knew that side of life, mm-hmm. but now I do and now i'm going to see that differently it's not a it's not an idea at the end of the day um and this is drastic but let's say i hate people with cystic fibrosis 
because I don't understand them. Yeah. Um, it's not an idea that I actually hate them. It's the idea that I don't understand them. Exactly. And when I read that, I think, wow. Um, oh, I get that now. I didn't realize that that's why they, they're they always struggling to breathe. I didn't realize that's why they're always annoying me with their coughing. It, they are not doing it mm-hmm. to annoy me. They're doing it because they have 18% breathing capability in their lungs. Exactly. And she wrote that, and I, I it was... It was so, so emotional, and that's when I realized that this, this job has so much more of a capability of teaching people about other people that are different, um, and just teaching people to be human, and teaching people to be human. I mean, because and I mean yeah. not to totally tangent, and I understand this isn't, and you know I'm not even going to try and put a severity rating on the discussions that we have about where we are as a culture right now. But dudes don't cry right now. No, no. Dudes don't cry. Dudes don't cry. And so, I mean, even just getting males, which I think is such an important side of life, not necessarily crying in particular, right? but getting, if you even just got a couple guys who are typically macho, man, everything, I've, I've got this, everything's fine, yeah. to read that and go, man, all of a sudden you've just opened just a little, yeah, just a little bit, yeah. And that's and that's for sure going to be key to everybody getting closer to the same page. Oh yeah, oh, um, yeah. and then something I'm just going to throw this out there, just because it's kind of a cool idea. I wrote on. You're in honors college, aren't you? Mm-hmm, yeah. Did you have Ranieri at all? What's that, Doctor Ranieri? No, I never had Ranieri. <sighs> yeah, <Great> man. yeah. <laughs> um. But I wrote another paper for his class. I talked about one of the papers I wrote for his mm-hmm. class a couple episodes ago. Um, where it was literally the final paper, and I literally just wrote my life philosophy at that point. Really? Like, I just wrote this whole, just aired everything out. You that just aired out. Yeah. And I had this concept that I think is a good one. I think it's good. I'll see how you feel about it. But just kind of talking about how it comf- like people being comfortable with those topics that have been uncomfortable for a mm-hmm. while. Um, I talked about how I think a, a good way to view the understanding of the world and the way you understand other people's views is imagine like this central truth. So imagine a sun, I guess, a yeah, sun, sure. a planet, sure. or in my head, it's literally just like an amalgamation of yeah. things like yeah. sports and uh, imagine materializing that and kind of putting it in the middle and then surrounding that whole thing. That whole sphere with a sphere of apartments where everybody lives. And so yeah. you have your little apartment. Yeah. And you're sitting there and you're like, ah. So for me, I see I see podcasting. I see music. I see telling a great story through film. I see the importance of being emotional. I see the importance of being a calm-minded person. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see the importance of being open. And, and so that's, that's kind of my view of the world. <sighs> Somebody might see something completely different because... Their apartments on the other side of what mm-hmm. is life and yeah. what is what is their existence, and so I think that's why it's so key to, and that's why I think it's easier to kind of view it as not as oh I need you to explain to me, mm-hmm. I need you to explain to me your world so that I can un- go visit their yeah. world. Oh yeah, like go visit their apartment for a second. You can't stay there. Yeah, but the next time you're in your apartment, you have at least one snapshot of what the other side of that ball of life looks like oh yeah which and i think that kind of i think that could cause a better approach to it because then you're getting rid of that idea of like what i said that person said where they're like well they shouldn't have to explain to me their Mm -hmm. their lifestyle or why they do what they do because it makes them happy they shouldn't have to but you can just look at it instead go i want to go spend some time with those people because i don't get it yeah but at least i could see it yeah um i definitely definitely relate to that um it that entire thing that you just said is the reason I chose to be a journalist. And that's, I was going to ask you what, like, have you yeah. always written? Um, yeah. 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 I, uh, in, in 2012, I was, uh, in a, uh, I had a catastrophic brain injury during a baseball game or my, my brain bled and I, there's a whole thing, a couple of days in the hospital. And the, uh, the doctors told me that I might not ever be able to play baseball again. Turned out I wasn't um, – actually, they told me I wasn't allowed to play for a year, and I went against that, and I wore a helmet in the field the next season. Um, yeah, it was, it's a, it's a long like story. like my buddy Braden. He has it's like long, eight concussions. Yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> but when I woke up in the hospital, um, yeah. I came to terms with I'm not going to be a Major League Baseball player. 
always wanted to play for the Cubs. I had always thought there's 750 major league players. All I have to do is be the 750th best player. <laughs> um, that's it. Yeah. Um, and I came to grips with the reality that I'm not going to do this. Yeah. So I thought, what can I do to get me closest to mm-hmm. being still a part of that world? And the answer was broadcasting, which then turned to journalism, which when I came to college, it was to be a sports journalist. Yeah. Um, but then I realized People that cool. <laughs> there's a lot more to yeah. this world than just sports. Um, and I had built it through, you know, experiences after that concussion, after that mm-hmm. brain injury, um, that there's more than just me. Uh, but then I really can't, I can't explain where it started, mm-hmm. but I guess it's just the never ending curiosity of the world around me that I've had since I was a kid. The obscurious mind. You're in the perfect yeah. place. <laughs> yeah. Here I am. Um, I, I see journalism as the perfect chance to experience the world because I'm not a writer for one thing. Every day I walk into the office, I don't know what life I'm going to get to experience. Um, And it literally, it literally has an impact on days like today. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we walked in here, um, you, you took me through the, uh, the hallway back there and it's dark and it's cluttered, and there's uh, there's strange-looking doors everywhere and padding on the walls. I don't know what that is. Yeah. And you said, this is where I live. Yeah. Not sure if you remember that, but you said, this oh, is yeah. where I live. And I thought, where do I live? I live mm-hmm. over in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. But for today, I get to walk into a room that I've never, ever experienced, and I get to be in a space that I've never been in. Mm-hmm. And for today, I'm in your home. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, that, that for me is, uh, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of places in the world that I think people forget to say, wow, it's just Muncie. I know yeah. what, I know what this place is. Do you? Yeah. Show oh me. yeah. Show me every spot. Yep. Because there are, there are corners of this world that are right next to you that you've never been in. Yeah. Um, or and are you then, looking at Instagram on your way to class? Yeah. But you know Muncie. Oh yeah. I mean, that's. That's a that's a conversation on its own about <laughs> how we're stuck in our phones, but but yeah, I mean that's that's right in our backyard. Of there yeah. are corners to this world that we've never been in, and they're right next to us. They're the same thing yeah. on the other side of the world. That oh, if you yeah. if you travel there, you're going to see different cultures, different people that believe different things, and and just we're literally the entire society is different just because it has an overarching philosophy that's yeah. different than Western philosophy. Exactly, and maybe crazy. Maybe you can be so lucky for one day to say. I want to know what your life is about. Mm-hmm. So that's why I chose journalism because nice. I thought maybe I can get lucky enough to maybe just look at that corner that's in, in my backyard. Courses. But then maybe if I'm yeah. lucky, if I'm good enough, yeah. I'll get to go across the other side of the world and see what's your life like. Yeah. Um, this is, do you have a time you need to be out of here by? No, no. I just, awesome. Okay. I'm going to keep rolling with a couple more topics and then we can call it. I do need to be out by uh, around 345, if that's okay. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, okay. We can totally do that. Okay, you do political cartoons. I do, I do. Uh, d- d- I mean, preliminary, how did that start? Uh, it started because our cartoonist quit. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, so the first semester I was able to uh, write five articles, which I was not necessarily ecstatic about. I wanted mm-hmm. to do more. Yeah. Um, but then the second semester rolls around. Ooh. Sorry, no, I just have another thing I want to ask Sorry. you about. Uh, Second semester rolls around, and we didn't have a cartoonist, and one of the biggest stories was about to crop its head again. That was the IFC um, ban ending Mm -hmm. on March 31st. And I thought, you know, a picture is not going to be good enough for this. We're going to need something that really speaks volume. So I thought, all right, I'll try my hand at political cartooning. And I've been drawing since I was three years old, so, um, but I had never... Never gotten a cartoon published. And I thought, you know, we don't have a cartoonist anymore because he quit. And let's see let's see where this goes. It was literally only supposed to be that one. Really? Yeah, it was okay. only supposed to be that one. Uh, the, pri- uh, the majority of first semester, our visuals that we showed were portraits of the people that were talking about their life. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of second semester were cartoons um, because... <laughs> My editor-in-chief, Casey Smith, God bless her, mm-hmm. um, she saw that first cartoon that I did, approved it, and said, did you do this? 
Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. She goes, can you do it again? <laughs> and I said, I guess. Sure. <laughs> um, so uh, they've been a lot of fun. They take a lot of time. Oh, I bet. But um, it really uh, it really started off of we needed a hole to fill, and I could fill that hole. Nice. Okay. There was one, and this might be similar to the boy falling asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Netflix, Are You Still Watching? Yeah. I thought that one was really interesting. Yeah. There was one small thing that I saw, though. And I don't know if it was purely just to set ambiance, but I feel like most mm-hmm. of the things that, at least your other ones, it seemed like nearly everything had a purpose. Oh, yeah. Um, do not remove tag. Oh, yeah. Bed. Okay, yeah. What was yeah. that? Okay, so, man, you're really, you are really clever, uh, <laughs> really looking at stuff. So when I draw political cartoons, um, I... There are different styles to political cartoons. I take the style that um, I I would like to credit to Doctor Doctor Seuss. Okay, he actually did political cartoons during yeah, World War Two. Yeah, 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 terrific stuff. He would only do one one uh, box mm-hmm. instead of a, a chain, um, and I like doing a box because it's one snapshot of something that's happening. Yeah, and you can get a story through all of the details. Exactly. Right? Um, so that calls upon your knowledge of what's going to be around you. Yeah. Um, in the IFC one, there are posters on the walls um, referencing 1984. Benny is watching you yeah. um, because I wanted to say, Ball State is watching you. Don't mess up. Stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, when it came to, are you still watching um, after uh, net or excuse me after um, Valentine's Day? Mm-hmm. Um, I I put a couple of different. Uh, I call them Easter eggs. I mm-hmm. mean, they're really Easter egg yeah. details. Uh, a uh, I think it's barefoot wine. There's a bottle yes. at the foot. Yeah. There's a, a box of chocolates that says uh, yeah. party for two reserved for one or something yes. like that. And then there's the bed tag. The bed tag um, is actually just a personal thing. Okay. It's not referring to anything. I like to sometimes throw in little things that only I know of. And okay. if you know me, you'll, you would know it. Um, this one is reserved only for me and my brother. Okay. Um, my brother and I... I remember we used to have bunk beds. Yeah. And shoot, he might not even remember this. <laughs> but we uh we had a conversation once when we were probably 7 and 9. Yeah. He's 2 years older than me. Um about if the world would end if we removed the bed tag. <laughs> because it always says do not remove. Yeah. Um and uh the night that I was sketching that, um I was up late in the newsroom, it was yeah. like 1 a.m. Yeah. And I was sketching it and I thought, "Wait, why Why does it say do not remove? It's always saying do not remove. So I actually looked it up, and it's a strange little thing of how uh, it's bank... It's not from Fletch, is it? Have you seen Fletch? No. no. Oh, damn it. It's, it's this strange little thing of uh, back in London in like the 1800s, they would repurpose uh, mattresses mm-hmm. and not tell people. Oh. And it was really like infested stuff, so they oh. would put a tag, do not remove, because it would open it up and you would get the stuff. So whatever. Sure. I don't know why they're still on there. I guess it's that's, just a callback. That's funny. But when I drew that, it was it was an Easter egg reserved for um, kind of a childhood memory. Okay. Um, you need to watch Fletch. By yeah. The way. You need Fletch. To go okay. And watch it. Um, but there's a part where he's he's in this house and the the person who actually owns the house walks in. He's like, "Oh, I'm just with the mattress police. I'm a <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. sir. Do you know that this uh, mattress doesn't have any tags on it?" Yeah. And he says that. And so like, I was like, "Oh man, that's perfect. yeah." Give yeah. me one second. I'm just going to go double check and make sure it's still recording. I would love I get paranoid. So do I. So do I. <laughs> Stop. And I was like, oh, interesting. Okay, whatever. Um, okay. So you work on short films. I do. Yeah. You work on short films. I do. Um, hmm. I'm going to go ahead and lead with. No, I'm going to ask you about them. Yeah. What what have you what have you done short film wise? Are they all documentary work? No, no. Um, I didn't think so. Yeah, uh, actually, the the documentary I'm working on right now is the first documentary I've done. Okay. Um, all other sh- all of all of the other films that I've worked on um, are short films written by um, TCOM students here at Ball State. Okay. But, uh, uh, literally, and this is another one of those moments where. Life is awesome sometimes. Yeah, it is. Uh, sometimes you accidentally fall into something that you love. Yeah. Um, so most things are happy accidents. But uh, the I've worked on... Yeah, Bob Ross. <laughs> uh, I've worked on That Friday Night, um, uh, a short film called Nerf Squad. Shout out to Blake Connor. <laughs> um, 
uh, a night to remember, uh, welcomes April, whisperers, um, I smell a rat, which I just wrapped up filming yesterday. Okay. Um, so I, I mean, I've done a, I've done a couple. Yeah. Um, acting, writing, acting, directing? Acting, um, I'm actually uh, currently writing uh, a feature-length film with my friend Jacob Gennon right now. Nice. It's my first hand at writing something. Nice. Um, What's it about? Can you well, uh, it's uh, It's about... Um, we really don't know yet. It's you know, in okay. the first the stages, but yeah. anyway, it's about a, a man who experiences a traumatic event, mm-hmm. um, and then through the trauma, uh, PTSD really, he forms a second life. Oh, so kind of what is it? Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, through a through a traumatic event, Sorry, he, I love Vonnegut. Yeah. Vonnegut's he he imagines a, a secondary life that gotcha. he. He thinks the other one is the fake one, but oh, yeah, but it's it the, wraps. Okay. And, yeah. Um, we haven't we haven't gotten very far on it, but very excited. That's but anyway, cool. back to the the films. Um, really, it's been a happy accident. Uh, when I started, it was hey, could you help out? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was hey, uh, are you, you are you role? busy? <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. Uh, do you, do you want to do you want to act and. Um, it's really been great. It's That's been awesome. it's been one of the coolest things I've gotten to do. That's really cool. Um, here at Ball State, a lot of friends are making movies all the time, and they're like, That's "Hey, awesome. we need we need someone to to do this. Uh, can you do it for us?" So it's it's been great. Um, That's really cool. Most of the stuff is just for fun. Yeah. Um, but I actually uh, um, I toot my own horn here, I guess, mm-hmm. a little bit. Last year, um, Jacob Gennon's Welcomes April. Mm-hmm. Um, won a couple of awards here on campus and i was awarded best actor for the year nice so that was uh, it was it was a pleasant surprise um but really uh, every every ounce of credit is due to uh, jacob gannon he's my best friend awesome um he uh really just an amazing mind a great thinker cool. you know dives into those yeah. uh topics the Gets straight in there the plot of welcomes april is uh young man moves to a town mm-hmm. that he's never been to for a job and everyone in the town speaks how they speak. So basically, um, if I was addressing you as a character, I would say, gives rough estimation of plot. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. and the, Oh, that's so cool. The guy that moves to the town, he's, he speaks normally, and he str- he, he's bleeding. He, I mean, he's so hungry for conversation. That is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Really, Can you find that anywhere? I, I believe I believe it might be on YouTube under on Jacob Gannon. Yeah, um, so that is go a check it out. Fascinating yeah. idea. Yeah, um, have you ever watched um, Master of None? No, I've heard a lot about it and I've never seen it. One particular episode that you should watch, um, just for the fun of it. He does one about language. I have an obsession with language. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. But so there's a good twelve minute chunk of one of those episodes. Uh, regarding someone who's deaf, mm. and so it's completely silent. Really, like no music, no wow, no clutter noises. Literally just dead silent. Wow. And I have I was sitting watching it, and all of a sudden I was just glued to uh-huh. the screen because like you're just get fascinating. Wow, it's just one of those fascinating concepts where I was like that was absurdly well yeah. done. Yeah. Um. So give that a listen. Okay, and then yeah, I think this might be kind of our last thing. We'll see how long it goes though. Um, I recently had a weird experience with uh-huh. writing and I'm interested to see if you've had similar ones or if you've had one of these yet. So about two years ago, yeah, sophomore year, I wrote this paper for one of my professors and it was talking about how I just kind of talked about, it was philosophy because mm-hmm. I was developing a lot of my own personal philosophy at that point. And I ended up talking about how the the world very very rarely gives us the luxury of definitive answers, mm-hmm. and and yeah. the, the title of that episode was a balance and chaos. I was like, it's it's it gives us the yeah. beautiful well web of connectivity that it is, and you find beauty in it, and there's yeah. chaos and all that kind of stuff. And so I wrote that two years ago, in just this idea of like, uh, I've been in therapy for like three or four mm-hmm. years at this point. Um, and one of the things that I've recently talked with my therapist about that she's just always kind of talked about here and there is the idea of treating life like skydiving and how you kind of just, just jump out the plane and you hmm. float down and figure it out on your way down. Like, yeah. 
And so, and so it's talking about how just like letting life be what it is and not trying to control things and not trying to pull a definitive answer out of things. Yeah. And so I wrote that two years ago. Uh I just now understand that. So my own writing, my own artistic expression preceded my own understanding. Mm -hmm. Have you had that happen? (laughs) My own artistic expression precedes my understanding. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I wouldn't say my writing does. Okay. okay. My spoken advice. Yes. No. My spoken advice. That happens to me all I, the time. Uh, I will. Um, you know, friend. I, I love helping. I love helping people. I think it's yeah. the. It might be the single meaning of life to mm-hmm. help others. Um, but you know, a friend comes to me says, "Hey, I have this problem." You know, you ask him, "Would you like advice, or would you just like me to listen?" And then sometimes, sometimes I've given advice where at the end of it, I'm like, man, that's, you know, that's what should, that's what you should do. But until I experience something that happened similar to what they were dealing with, and then I remember the advice that I gave. Follow your own advice. (laughs) I guess that wasn't half bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But definitely, I mean, uh, the, um, the last two years have been significantly uh, tougher for mm-hmm. me. Um, you know, just things happening in life, but also they've been significantly great with my gr- the growth in how you take on life. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been recalling a lot of those conversations mm-hmm. of what do I do in situations. But you mentioned, you mentioned uh, the skydiving bit of mm-hmm. just jumping yeah. and seeing – Seeing how it's going to go. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite quotes is uh, by John Lennon. In the end, everything's going to be okay. If it's, it's not, not okay, okay, it's, it's not, not the end. end. Uh, uh, it's a great I, I live by that. I live yeah. by it. Um, no matter how how daunting things look, how dark things look, mm-hmm. um, you're going to make it to the ground. Mm-hmm. You might make it to the ground at 200 miles per hour, but you're going to make it to the ground. <laughs> um and a great way to live in that way, and I'm not saying I always do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I have different philosophies of how I live, and I just, it's like putting on different pairs of yeah, pants. Yeah, you apply the right one at the right sometimes, time. Sometimes you're like, oh, I shouldn't have been wearing khakis today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, pants. I, needed, I needed a different li- way of thinking. Yeah. But, well, um, gone with the daisy dudes. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that skydiving theory is uh, one that I love putting on. Yeah. trying on when uh, I'm driving. Mm. If it's just me, uh, usually on a day like today... Just jump out of your car. <laughs> just jump out of my car. <laughs> yeah. On a day like today, sun shining, it's beautiful, the weather's mm-hmm. great, you can't help but smile. Drive out into the country and try and get yourself lost. Or drive to... I mean, it, yeah. even if you're going somewhere, but then when you're coming back home mm-hmm. or if you're going somewhere... Go a route that you've never gone before with the one understanding that in the end, you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. It might take an extra hour. It might take 10 less minutes. But go to a place where you've got to come to a T in the road and you've got to say, shoot, is it left or right? Almost forced failure to an extent. Forced failure because when you force yourself to fail, you'll get to a moment where you'll understand that that was failure and you'll learn from it. And you won't fail again. And you learn that so you learn so much more from that yes. experience. Yes, you do. And that's like uh, starting this podcast. I don't. Uh, recently, a switch just kind of flipped in me because I had this bad habit of sitting around and going, "Oh well, yeah. I mean, I could do that too. Yeah, I could absolutely do that." But you're not. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm not, and so I can't say shit. Yeah. I, I cannot be like, "Oh well, I mean, yeah, like, you're, right. I, but I could do it too." Right. And so, but it, I mean, it flipped this total switch where all of a sudden I started the podcast, and then I I've started releasing music, and it's just mm-hmm. been this like. I'm not sure what all of this is yet, yeah. but we're just gonna go for it. Exactly, exactly. Um, and you realize it's not so bad. And that's that's what <laughs> I'm doing. That's what I'm doing with this documentary. Yeah, I know that the hundreds of hours of work that I put in, yeah, will not equate to what I want it to be in the end, or what it should be. I mean, yeah. if I'm talking about all these hours that I put in, it should be Scorsese <laughs> exactly. or Spielberg, <laughs> but it's not going to be. And I've got to be okay with that. I've got to say, mm-hmm. okay. It's not where I thought I was going to be. This is my first time, too. But this is my first time, yeah. and the next time, I'm going to learn from it. Maybe be better. I'm going to get better, 
And then that one's going to be also somewhat of a failure. I'm going to get better from that one too. Mm-hmm. If we, if the day that we come complacent and okay with, yeah, I guess that was okay, might be the day that that's when we stop yeah. growing. Might as well get up. And we don't want to stop growing. My dad asked me recently because uh, he had me come home because they were doing a blues weekend at church. Yeah. And I love blues. Of course. Uh, and so I was playing, and he asked me, he was like, do you, do, do you get nervous at all anymore? I was like, when I stop getting nervous, that's when I quit. Oof. It's like as soon as I stop getting nervous, I'm yeah. out. Because yeah. that means I don't care about it anymore. Yeah. That means it's not pushing me far enough. Exactly. And so, I mean, even the day, like, I get nervous a little bit sitting down and recording the podcast each week. Mm-hmm. I get nervous every single time that I record music and put it out there. Yeah. But it's partially just come to loving those nerves because at this point, it's it's just fleshing out who I am. And oh, that's, yeah. That's fun. Oh, yeah. It's uh, not easy, but it's fun. Yeah. 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 Got anything else? I'm going to ask you one final question. One final question. One final question. Take as long as you need to form your response. And this is just kind of the question that's off the top of my head right now. Um, what What is the calmest memory you have? Like, what's your most zen moment that you think you've ever had where all of a sudden, like, the world made sense and you just felt that? Because, I don't know, I get that distinct feeling of, oh. Yeah. And it's like you're not even really thinking about it. But what got you there, or what would you say might be your calmest moment that you've ever had? It's a really, really great question. One that doesn't have necessarily a, a 100% answer to it. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if I've... It's, uh, it's strange, because I don't know if my state of calm is the general state of calm. Fair. I don't ever feel anxious um, okay. or or untidy, or undone. But I don't necessarily feel like this is uh, the best I've ever felt. I have I have certain moments, I, I call them uh, perfect moments. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, you'll get a perfect moment once a month. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, about yeah. 12, 12 times a year, where you look around you, and you think, yep, this is... Uh, this is perfect. One of the things I say for that is this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great great way to put it. Yeah. And and it's interesting because when you think calm, you think everything is going great. Yeah. That's not necessarily Dude, you're literally talking about the last podcast that I put out. Yeah. It's not necessarily the So the the moment you're talking about, the moment yeah. where I am at complete peace. Yeah. Isn't necessarily the moment where I'm happiest. Um Fair. one of one of the the times that came to mind right when you said it was the day I moved into Ball State. Mm. Uh, specifically, the moment my mom and dad walked out of the room. Interesting. I was I was sitting I was standing in the middle of this room. Yeah. That felt the size of a, a gym. Yeah. And the the sun is streaming in. It was a perfect moment. I was full of these emotions that yeah. I didn't know how to put, yeah. and I wasn't necessarily happy. Yeah. I was scared shitless. Yeah. But it was a perfect moment. A moment that I knew I was going to remember for the rest yeah. of my life. Um another one of those was uh, my final at bat in baseball. Mm. Uh someone that if you if you're listening and you're thinking final at bat must be a perfect moment you're thinking I got the hit mm. win win the game, right? I struck out. I struck out in my last at bat. Um it was uh the sectional championship game my senior year of high school. Um, and, uh, I struck out hmm. and that, per- that was a perfect moment that for me. Perfect. It was perfect because I knew it was over. I knew that I had given my life to a game. I had given it everything I had. And in the end, the pitcher got the best of me. And all you got to do is tip your cap and, that's okay. and know that you're, you're good. Your work yeah. is not negated. It, it is not, you know, just because you didn't succeed in the last time doesn't mean you were a failure. Yeah. It means that this time he got the best of you. And I was at peace with that. I was at peace with my time is done. That's a fantastic answer. Fantastic answer. Thank you for coming on. I I'll appreciate it. intros and outros after this. Really but appreciate yeah, it. this has been Garrett Garrett Looker, Ball State Senior. Junior. 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 So we've got State one Junior. more year. I got one more. Uh, you want to plug anything? Last second plugs? Um, call your mother. Call your mother, um, or or call your father. 
you know, um, make a call home and reconnect with someone. Rock on. And that is it for the episode of the interview with, with my good buddy, Garrett Looker. Forgot to say this in the first half of this little part. If I sound super weird right now, my allergies have gotten a hold of me and kind of robbed me of, of 25% of my voice. But per usual, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys really enjoyed the interview. I hope you guys really enjoyed hearing Garrett talk about what he's passionate about and all that good stuff. Uh, please, please feel free to send me some feedback, questions you would love to hear asked for future people on the podcast. Guests are going to start being a more frequented thing here on the channel. And so, yeah, just once again, hope you guys really enjoyed it. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week or your weekend or, or wherever you're at when you're listening to this. Hope the rest of your day is good, and I will talk to you guys soon.